0: This is how the gulf between men and women can be crossed, is as women learn how to be vulnerable and open to their sensitive emotions. And some of these feelings that are very tender, that is the opportunity for a man to be strong and be there for her. He just needs to learn how to do it. She needs to learn how to be vulnerable. This is all new skills. And I just don't wanna make sure we leave out sex.
1: Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. I have a special treat for you today. I have asked Dr. John Gray to come on and shed light on the connection between our relationships and our hormone health. As you may know, Dr. John Gray is the author of one of the most well-known and trusted relationship books of all time, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. I remember growing up and watching my mom and her friends reading this book when I was younger. Now, the USA Today listed his book as one of the top 10 most influential books of the last quarter century. Now, back in the fall of 2008, I invited my dear friend Razzie Berry to come on to this podcast. And we spoke at great length about this topic on episode 43, Why Relationships Impact Our Hormones. Now that interview was so amazing that I wanted to bring on Dr. John Gray to talk more about his experience in research on the topic. And it just so happens that his newest book looks into the connection between our relationships and hormones and how they are interconnected. Before we jump into this insightful interview with Dr. John Gray, I want to just take a moment and celebrate your wins. One particular healing rock star is Nicole, and I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on Instagram yesterday. Here is what she had to say Can somebody pinch me? I always knew that my period was connected to my health, and I knew that it was important despite growing up thinking I could just turn it off as long as I like until I wanted kids. But in your latest episode, Dr. Marisa, it finally confirmed what I inherently knew all along. My period and menstrual cycle is super important and deserves focus and understanding. This was a huge realization. I've been texting my friends about this episode all week. Thank you so much for shedding light on the areas of our health that we don't fully understand. Please keep it up. Let's get the word out. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your big win. I know knowledge is power, and it's time that we understood our bodies and how they really, really work. That is what this podcast is all about. Congratulations on that next step in your healing journey. If you're listening, Nicole, you know I would love to hook you up with my Superwoman Blend. Just reach out to me on Facebook or connect back with me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. So the episode that Nicole was referring to, if you wanted to know, it was episode number 93, where Lisa Hendrickson, Jack, and I discussed the menstrual cycle as being the fifth vital sign. And wow, what a powerful conversation that was. I highly recommend you go check out episode 93. Well, fellow podcast listeners, I would love to shout you out, too. You can reach out to me via Instagram, Facebook, or by simply reviewing this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you plug into. That way, I can continue to support more women who are ready to become the CEO of their health. Now, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Dr. John Gray. But first, I would like to sing his praises. Dr. John Gray has written over 200 books. His most recent book is Beyond Mars and Venus. His Mars-Venus book series has forever changed the way men and women view their relationships. John helps men and women better understand and respect their differences in both personal and professional relationships. His many books, blogs, and online workshops at MarsVenus.com provide practical insights to improving relationships at all stages of life and love. Now he has appeared repeatedly on Oprah as well as the Dr. Oz show today, Good Morning America, and many others. Go and check him out at MarsVenus.com. Welcome, John Gray, to the Essentially You podcast. How are you doing today, John?
0: Doing great. Thanks so much.
1: Absolutely. I know today we're going to be talking about relationships because that is what you do best. It's your best understanding. And most importantly, we're going to be talking about your newest book, Beyond Mars and Venus. And what I wanted to just talk a little bit about before we get into it, the first real big book that we all know you from, I remember growing up, reading the book myself, my family was reading the book, my mom was reading the book, and that was men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And that has become such a powerful resource for relationships. Where, When you were writing that book back in 1992, or probably before 1992, when you were doing the research for that, where did the idea for that book come from for you?
0: The moment when I realized that was so significant was when my wife, Bonnie, was right after delivering one of our children and she had torn and was on pain pills for a week in bed and so I was there taking care of her and the baby for the for the week and not at the office where I would earn money to support our family and she said John you have to go back to the office they need you they need you so after a week I went back and she ran out of pain pills and I told her that if she needed anything she should call me but she didn't call me so that's the beginning of a little bit of an argument when I got home we got into it Because we hadn't slept at all. You know, when you don't sleep at all, you're not really in your most loving self, although you're trying to be. So we were sort of arguing back and forth. And then I just started, I just said, enough. And I started to walk towards the door. And as I'm going out the door, she said, John Gray, stop. You're a fair weathered friend. When I'm sweet, loving Bonnie, you're here for me. And when I'm not, you're out the door. Just walk over here and put your arms around me don't say anything, just put your arms around me. And I did that, and she started to cry in my arms. And I thought, wow, I would have never thought that just putting my arms around her and letting her be with me could make such a difference. It was just the farthest idea in my mind because for many men, when you're upset, the last thing you want is for someone to come over, particularly the person you're arguing with, to come over and hold you. And what I didn't know then is what I know now is there's a massive amount of biology involved in when someone is being vulnerable to put your arm around them, particularly beneficial to women and sometimes very beneficial to men. But I wouldn't have thought that. So I thought, wow, she's like from another planet. We don't do that on our planet. You know, (laughs) we walk out the door because talking was only making it worse. So. That was in my mind. If we keep talking, it's just getting worse. I'm going to stop talking and walk out of the room. And she added an insight stop talking and just come over here and hold me and feel your love for me. And that was amazing to me. So I thought, how many other little things like that had I missed along the way because men and women are different? So that was the beginning of feeling the commitment to discovering and exploring how men and women are different, but in positive ways. Because so much of the time, people are talking about men and women in disparaging ways. Obviously, we are very, very different. But what are those differences? How can we articulate the ones that we tend to misunderstand the most? And with that better understanding, we can begin to appreciate our differences and understand each other better so we can provide the support our partners need.
1: Right. And I think ultimately, that's all that each of us would like to do, and I think that's that's what you have done is you've provided us a landscape for looking at those positive changes. Because you're right, when we talk about men versus women, if you want to say that, it's usually always in disparaging or like you know women are this or men are this. It's so interesting, you know that conversations happens all the time, and I love that you're the way that you look at it is more in a more positive way. Now, that book was transformational, and it really did set the tone for so many conversations and how we are treating or even looking at our partners in a different way. Now, I know that a lot has even changed societally since 1992, and that has changed a little bit of the, the male-female dynamic. Can you speak a little bit to that since that last book and today? With Beyond Mars and Venus, what are some of the biggest changes that you felt have happened? And how did that influence this new book?
0: Well, there are lots of changes, but one of the significant changes that's happening today is gender fluidity. Uh, when we reach a higher state of consciousness, and we, are in a, we went through a major shift in the 60s and 70s, men became more in touch with their sensitive side. You know, I was, became a hippie. I protested for peace I wore bell-bottom pants. I wore a necklace. You know all these. You know I grew out my hair like a girl. So this was the. You know this was a shift for men. And as I went to that more sensitive side, we can call it the female side. It was ecstatic because I was free from the boundaries of just this male stereotypical role. Vice versa, women who had been in this sort of stereotypical female role would shift over to empowerment groups. We're going to run the world. We're going to be supported. Equality and all that. So when they shifted gears over to what we could call their male side, independent rather than dependent, they went through sort of a euphoric excitement, empowerment energy. And what we see now is that women have easy access to their male side. Men have easy access to their female side. And why is that? Well, one thing we can say is there's a a cultural permission to do that, which is happening more and more. But I would say it runs a little deeper. I'd say there was a shift in consciousness on the planet where we rose to a higher level of awareness, which is both masculine and feminine. On a level of spirit, we are masculine and feminine, but our bodies are feminine and masculine. We have a different biological basis, and we want to we be able to bring spirit into our lives, but at the same time, respect the biology. And that means you look at it in a very practical sense, and this is what the book's all about, when women go too far to their male side, all it means is they're neglecting their female side. And when men go, quote, too far to their female side, they're neglecting their male side. If one of the symptoms of that imbalance of neglect is feeling overwhelmed, feeling stressed, feeling unhappy, feeling depressed, ironically, and this is a big idea that it was discovered and most people still are not aware of it, we always associated male aggression with high testosterone. Actually, male aggression only occurs when testosterone levels start to decrease because they're turning into estrogen, which is the female hormone. So biologically, as men become too emotional, they become their worst self. Whereas as women become too detached, too independent on their male side, neglecting feminine qualities within them, they begin to feel stressed and overwhelmed, doing, doing, doing. And they can't come back to a place of love, of self, and of others, of happiness and and easiness in their life. Grace, which was always an attribute of femininity that women brought into men's life, is gone. And so we see this hurried life that we're in today, too busy. And we're not enjoying the, the fruits of a good marriage or a good relationship, which is great sex. You know, sex is also very important for relationships, It's, you know, I share my money with people. I share my time with people. I share everything. But you share sex with your partner. It's the most special thing. And nobody gets married or connects up unless there's some sexual attraction. And yet, as that goes away due to poor communication skills and lack of polarity in the relationship, what occurs is we begin to lose that attraction for each other. And many times, we minimize the importance of sex or we leave because there's no passion.
1: Hmm. When you're talking about, you know, the kind of shift in femininity versus masculinity and both both having that fluidity and that ability, you know, one of the things that I, my focus is as a, a women's hormone doctor is I'm, I work with a lot of women who struggle with what I call um, rushing women's syndrome. You know, we're running from one thing to the next. And, you know, growing up, that was what I, I used to watch my mom do. And one of the things that, you know, we, I struggled with even myself was I was taught that my worth was really predicated on how much I did for other people or how much I could do for people. And that had really driven me into the ground. Like I see so many other women, are there strategies that you have in place where let's say women are, Taking care of their parents and their kids, and they and they and they are wearing all those hats, or they're running from here to there, and again, stressed and overwhelmed, and that you know relationship suffers. Definitely, when you're stressed like that, there's you know your libido is in the crapper. Are there any strategies, John, that you have in the book for helping people to kind of get back to that equilibrium, finding that femininity, or just I guess relaxing or creating a stronger relationship with their partner?
0: You know, everything we do in our life is our choices, and we forget that. We're sort of driven, I have to do this, I have to do that, even as a little tip. And this is a little tip, but it can go a long way when we have a bigger understanding. In the mind, when a woman says, I have to, I have to, I have to, she is inhibiting her ability at that moment to generate the female hormones of progesterone or estrogen. And as you know, as an expert in hormones, it's all about hormones on a biological level. And when you're in that mode of, I have to, your body is shifting to making testosterone. Now, there's nothing wrong with making testosterone. There's many things we have to do. But when everything we do is a have to, then throughout the day, you're making testosterone and not allowing your body from that attitude, not allowing your body to make estrogen and progesterone and you know i was so excited to do the show with you because you're just an expert on hormones and i'm all about hormones now because it's the primary way on a biological level that we can see such a distinct difference between men and women and really accept that cuz today people are like very confused they we're not really that different and actually we're very very different and you as a doctor and as i know as a hormone expert basically Men require to have, to behave well, to feel good, to be motivated. They need to feel, I have to. That's what got me up this morning, is I have to get up. Otherwise, I'm a lazy cat. You know, I'll just lie around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no problem relaxing. I have to. Kicks me into gear.
1: I had to be the I have to for my husband this morning. (laughs) We we, we both had a business meeting together at nine o'clock, and I was like, You have got to get out of bed.
0: I know, I know. Without a wife, some guys will just sit around, watch TV, and drink beer their whole lives. You've got that. She has that awareness we have to do this, you have to do this. But when a man feels, I have to do this, he has a goal, he has a pressure. That's actually good for him as long as he's being rewarded for that have to. That's the key for men is to be acknowledged and appreciated. Look, you did this, you did this. So he's anticipating getting that reward. Now, when women have to do something to get the reward, they also can feel good in the beginning doing it because it generates testosterone and testosterone feels good for men or women. The challenge for women though is that when you're making testosterone, you're actually using up your progesterone in order to make the testosterone. And as you know, estrogen dominance at the second part of the cycle causes so much unhappiness inside of women, so many physical problems inside of women. That's when your estrogen levels are too high in relationship to your progesterone levels. And when you're making testosterone, you're actually using up your body's supply of progesterone to make the the testosterone. So too much I have to, has a devastating effect on women today. Now, while I'm talking about that, you know, you asked for a tip. The biggest tip is to become aware that your body's out of balance. You can't come back into balance unless you're aware I'm out of balance. That's the point. And all these, you know, we'll call it, I love what you say, the rushing woman syndrome. Actually, for men, when they're rushing it, they thrive in that, but they have to again. They have to feel that it's meaningful, it's purposeful. There's a purpose void in males today. That's a whole nother subject. We won't go to the today. But I did write a book last year, which is called "Boy Crisis: The Purpose Void and the You Know What's Happening to Men and to Boys." It's very challenging for women. We've got this feeling of overwhelm and exhaustion which then leads to resentment, which then leads to inability to feel the love you have for your partner, the love you have for yourself. You love people, but it's hard to feel it. That feeling of love is, is you know, it's a simple example, what is love? <laughs> Eat ice cream. <laughs> I love ice cream. Uh, so, you know, that it's a feeling, it's not just a behavior. Love is such an important feeling that we have. And when you're generating estrogen, you can feel love as long as it's in balance with your progesterone and after the period towards ovulation about 5 days after that estrogen levels begin to double double a woman's normal estrogen levels and a woman's normal estrogen levels are 10 times higher than men and when men get these high estrogen levels they become either depressed or aggressive fight or flight this is the bottom line of what's happening to men is too much estrogen Not enough testosterone. You know, people are always saying, oh, you know, testosterone. No, no. It's when men go too far to their sensitive side. And that awareness gives us new insight into little behaviors that no one would ever do. People would object to them because why why should he do this? Why when she doesn't have to do that? So we'll get to those little behavior shifts, but they make no sense. Nobody's willing to do them. Unless we have a context that says, you know, men and women really are different, and estrogen is particularly in the upside of her cycle towards ovulation is highly significant. So now we have the behavioral science and the biological science where we can see that when when you're feeling dependent on someone, when you need someone for something you can't give yourself, your estrogen levels increase. So that's very important. so many more women, for example, will see doctors. And part of why they want to see doctors, they may not be aware of this, is that simply their hormones will go more into balance because you're feeling, I depend on this doctor or this therapist or this yoga teacher to guide me, to help me, to do something I can't do for myself. That estrogen is so important, particularly for those five days before ovulation. That's when it needs to go way up That's when a woman needs to be in relationship, some form of relationship, where she can feel dependent on someone and she doesn't have to do it all herself. So that's what you asked is a practical tip You know, they try try to simplify the world's biggest problem here. (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) well, it is. I mean, it's the it's the thing that I'm I'm always working on with women. You know, as you can imagine, personally, in terms of having that doctor, that that teacher, that therapist, is it that feeling of being taken care of? That, that finally someone, fe- that you, that a woman feels taken care of, that boosts maybe oxytocin levels. You know, you're talking about increase in testosterone. I also know that DHEA and cortisol play a role there. DHEA having a profound impact on our libido. I mean, you're right. It's all biology and it's all being driven by this, by lifestyle and by choices, as you mentioned before.
0: Let's clarify something. The oxytocin, first of all, the concept. When a woman feels someone cares about her for something she needs, see, she has to feel I need the help. Then someone responds by showing caring and consideration. The opposite of that would be going on a romantic date and a guy opens the door and she says, I can do it myself. So there's no oxytocin that's going to be produced. So there has to be a feeling. Now, does a woman really need someone to open the door for her? No. No. On a practical level, on a hormonal level, when someone opens the door for you, and that's a metaphor, what I would say to my wife, I know you can open the door, but tonight, let me do this for you. So it's not like I'm saying you can't open the door, but you do so much for me. Let me do this for you. Let me take care of things for you tonight. So we're not talking all the time, But there's a place where women would love to feel like they don't have to do everything. And yet they take it on. And the irony here is that when women take on everything, men take on nothing.
1: Talk to (laughs) me about that.
0: (laughs) It's like we men have a gene that says, and I won't say all men, because if you're gender fluid, you're going to be more on your female side, but you're often going to have less motivation. You're going to have more sensitivities. You might find yourself disgruntled, you might find yourself losing your libido. These are all signs when you're out of balance. Nothing wrong with a sensitive man, he just needs to be balanced with his masculine side. So in the masculine side, the testosterone world, and men require 30 to 50 times more testosterone to be attracted to their wives, to be motivated, to achieve goals, to get off the computer, to get off the TV and do something, This energy comes from testosterone, and we have a crisis today of low testosterone in men. Low male hormones, and for women, low female hormones are imbalances of the hormones. So in the testosterone world, which is about doing, achieving goal, it's about sacrificing what I want to achieve a goal. That's called postponed gratification. I'm happy to do this because it will have that result. Even though I don't want to do this, If I get paid for it, then I'm happy to do this. Do you see the distinction there? It's like a paradox when a woman looks at it, but men can do all kinds of things they don't want to do with a smile on their face because they're going to get paid. (laughs) And and a, a higher virtue of that is because I'm going to make a difference because that's what masculinity is about. And every woman has masculinity. It's just today not enough of the femininity. So back to men sitting on the couch is... When, when men have like an efficiency gene, and that efficiency gene says, never do anything you don't have to do. So if I don't have to do it, I'm constantly saving my energy for when I do have to do it. It's like we're emergency men. We wait to the last minute. If nobody else is going to do it, it has to get done, then I will do it. And just think about it. If what men's fuel, the testosterone fuel is people to appreciate you, to, to depend on you, to trust you, to look to you for support, then if somebody else can do it, why should I bother? But I'll do those things that nobody else will do. And then I get more recognition. I get more energy. So the dynamic is for men and women is for women to understand how to communicate messages to a man to pump up his testosterone in a world that's pushing it down. And for women, men need to know how to support women, particularly at certain times of the month, to increase her estrogen or at other times of the month to increase her progesterone. And the most important window for men to understand with women and for women to understand is those five days before ovulation, she needs to put herself in circumstances where she can depend on someone to care for her, to, to support her, to do things for her that she would like that she would enjoy. And the secret is right after her period in the first five days, sit together as a couple, talk about some of the things she'd like to do. Not like what should we do, but what would she like? What would he like? But then he very wisely gathers information of other things she'd like to do. Then he takes the assertiveness, the decisiveness and picks one thing and says, okay, let me think about this. And he comes back and says, let's do this. I'm planning this. So she doesn't feel like the burden of the date is on her. Then she has a whole week to anticipate that date. Anticipation is one of the secrets. It's the key. When a woman can anticipate having someone care for her, already the estrogen is going to start getting produced. That's why women today can be way on their male side if they have a personal life that they go to when they leave work when they go to for a date or the romantic or great sex, when they can anticipate that, then it keeps them in balance, even when they're shooting guns and and police people. See, she can be on her male side as long as she balances that with the anticipation of, I will get back to my female side. Same thing for men. Men can be sensitive and so forth, but they need to feel that they're always going to anticipate getting a reward I made a difference. I make a big difference. That's what strengthens testosterone for men. Hmm.
1: Couple questions real quick. So in I, you know, I we, I've studied so much about the menstrual cycle clearly. And that time, that that five days or heading into ovulation is when women feel they're sexiest, right? Their they, their energy is coming back. That vitality is coming back. You know, it, it's the time. You know, date nights, big, getting dressed up. You know, doing maybe doing harder workouts, like because you're really starting to get that figure. And mind you, I do have women in, you know, in my um, listeners who are in perimenopause and into menopause as well. But let's just say it's in that that phase, you know, before ovulation, and um, where women are really feeling that. Is it enough that that? Let's say the guy plans the, the big date night or the, the thing and they're anticipating it. Is it enough for the month or should we be doing that throughout the month? Clearly different phases, women are going to be feeling differently, different energy is going to be happening there. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I could take, I could take a really big date night in a month then than nothing. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's when you want to plan it. You know, this is, see, if you do the big date night when her body's supposed to be making progesterone, more than estrogen it's not going to have the same effect it's not it's
1: not not that i don't like to cuddle and be soothed up watching a good movie maybe game of thrones you know (laughs) Now that yeah, it's back that's a on, good episode. yeah. <laughs> Heading into the lute, and we, we, you know, my husband and I both are really aware of that phase for me. And we definitely, you know, I'm not working out as hard. I'm taking it more easy. I'm, I'm reading a good book. Like there's things that I'm shifting in, kind of knowing my cycle better. But we really shouldn't be planning like sexy date, big, big sexy date nights. It's not going to have the same influence.
0: That's right. And and for her, see, it's literally like, you know, in the circus where you put the hammer down and the thing would go up and ring the bell. The only time you can fully ring her estrogen bell is during those five days. And so if it doesn't ring during those five days, you could do the same behavior, the same super date five days later, it's not going to ring the bell. And so she's going to feel, oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. And he's going to feel, why bother? It wasn't enough. So timing is very important with this, and awareness of the timing. See, that's a big part of this whole thing, which is your emotional needs for communication as well, for vulnerability as well, to share feelings as well, will increase potentially at that time as well. Besides sexual attractiveness, the men, receptivity. Receptivity is the feminine estrogen quality which only arises when you give yourself permission as women to not be as independent as you are at other times. So that's where intimate relationships really have the big bang for the buck is during those five days, the anticipation of those five days is just as important. And then having fulfilled that, kind of like you ate a meal and now you feel satisfied, satiated, the emotional needs in the relationship dramatically reduce for the next 12 days, then they will start to increase as you go back up to ovulation. So this is like such amazing awareness because if couples are trying to have that date every day or trying to have that super intimate conversation every day, it's not not even appropriate. You see, we're independent people who come together to, to give, not to suck from each other. But during that time of five days, There is an increased vulnerability and dependence inside of women and needs to be an increased selflessness in men, complete selflessness. This is for you. This is for chivalry. You know, that all thing comes in, which is sacrificing yourself for the good of society, for the good of your family, for the good of your wife. That's when you show up that way. If you say to a man, particularly during those five days, that's when you need to be on alert. He could, oh, okay, just five days a month. I can handle that. And then he develops habits during that time, which allows him to more easily give of himself in the relationship. But see, during that time, she is learning how to ask for help. She needs to get in touch with that place of asking for help and communicating. What I found is much more powerful than dating uh, romantic dates, although that's part of it. That's the whipped cream on top. That's the dessert. But often there has to be a certain level of vulnerability achieved which is automatic in the beginning of a relationship because you have no history you have no experience of being laughed at ridiculed and interrupted he gives you a solution or he laughs why are you upset about that well there's no big deal well you're being irrational with that you're overreacting to the situation this makes no sense to me at all honey so those are the kind of comments that if men don't understand where women are coming from they're puzzled and they think well that's silly that's ridiculous and yet If he had a woman's body, it wouldn't be that at all. So he has to understand that. So it starts with learning how to communicate feelings, how to communicate vulnerability to a man so he knows what his job is. Women have never, ever done this before. There's no history of women doing this with men before. And why should we create a new history? Because we need new relationship skills. Because never in history have women been way on their male side in a sense, and needing super vulnerability to get back to their female side. And super vulnerability is what you begin to experience as a woman if you go to a good therapist. A good therapist will help you go deeper into your vulnerable feelings, which are, by the way, as a therapist for 40 years, 95% of them are all irrational. And the last thing you wanna do is share with your, ther- your husband irrational feelings and him look at you like you're nuts. So a lot of that gets buried down inside with a lot of conflicting feelings and emotions, and you push them down and push them down, and occasionally they shoot out. But the point of it all being understanding emotional literacy is that when we're upset, 90% of whatever we're upset about is an accumulation of various things that have built up or things that are being triggered from our past, and they really don't logically have anything to do with right now other than right now is a trigger. This is an enlightened thought. This is the basis of 50 years of psychology. It still hasn't set in because if you go back years ago, it was the idea could be summarized as simply when somebody's upset, they're overreacting. Well, that was a diminishing term, disparaging term. Men would men would dismiss women rather than being reverent to the vulnerability that she carries for both of them, that as human beings, that we have these reactions inside and they're kind of like a child being afraid of a demon that doesn't exist, but it needs to be heard. The emotions need, the feelings need to be heard. So practically speaking, without making your partner a therapist, you would take you know, another practical tip. I call them Venus talks, is particularly during those five days, and you could do it at other times for practice, is you would just take 10 minutes, say to your partner, I just want to talk about things that happened today and how I felt And it's just, uh, I just want you to understand it. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to do anything about it. I'm going to feel really good. But there's a lot of things that were frustrating to me, or I was really disappointed, but I'll get through it if I just talk about it for a few minutes. See, that's what most people don't understand. And we're not taught this as children, and we didn't even know it as children. But if a child is upset, if you don't feed them ice cream to take away their upset, or if you don't say, be quiet, don't be a baby. Suppress the feelings to deal with the upset. If you just listen to them and ask some intelligent questions, like, oh, you must be disappointed about that, that must make you sad. You know, a little understanding of emotional literacy within a few minutes, a child will come back to feeling happy and joyful again. We have that ability if we can feel heard, because all negative emotions are really the result of us feeling disconnection. And when someone can connect and feel what you're feeling, But how can a man feel what a woman's feeling if he has such a different perspective? If she learns to share emotions, every man can relate to pain and emotions, and more so through a woman, actually. Many men are buried emotions, and when the wife can share frustration, he can start to become aware of his own frustrations. He doesn't need to talk about them at that point. He's listening to her but this is what's happening with a sensitive man. She might say, oh, I was so frustrated today. My job was so hard. He says, you think your job's hard? Oh, my job was even worse. (laughs) And now he's competing for attention, which if you understand biology, you realize that's a mistake. You can't recognize it as a mistake unless you get that what she's needing is to increase estrogen by sharing feelings. He doesn't need to increase estrogen. Men need to stop talking. Men need to stop talking when women are upset. Men need to stop arguing because anytime men, you're emotional and you talk, your estrogen levels are going to increase and you only become defensive if you're a man, if your estrogen is too high and your testosterone is too low. So when we understand the biology, then suddenly we have a new relationship skill. If a man is becoming defensive, he stops talking (laughs) and she stops asking him questions to get him to talk but they take a timeout. When they take the timeout, she finds a friend who she can talk to or her journal or her prayer, and she talks about her feelings to come back into hormonal balance. He stops talking about his feelings. He temporarily, and we can do this as men if someone teaches us temporarily, forget what happened. Just forget it. Don't worry about it. Forget it. Go off and do something that will increase your testosterone, anything you're good at, anything that's challenging or difficult that makes a difference, anything that uses your muscles, go off and do something to increase your testosterone temporarily, your hormones come back into balance, your heart opens, and in your heart is the knowledge of what went wrong. And be a man. Look how you contributed to the problem. Don't be a victim of your partner. You come back in your mind and you understand how did I contribute to this problem? And some men need a little help with that. That's why I've written these books is to see how men, you create all your problems. And women get to come back, talk to a friend, share her feelings, and then she gets to see how she contributed to the problems. And they come back, not to discuss what they were arguing about, but they come back. And for several hours, if not a few days, depending upon the intensity of the argument, you don't touch it. It's like a bruise. So you come back and you just show more love, more affection, more understanding about other things that are easier to deal with. Then both partners kind of settle down. They start feeling safe with each other. And then you can address the challenge that you were dealing with before.
1: And it seems to me that this is the kind of challenge that comes up a lot, right, over and over again. And so is it just making sure that we keep clear communication or or women being aware and saying, hey, I'm not looking for you to solve this problem. I'm just looking to kind of get this out and to kind of share about my day. Just having clarity about what you want the end result to be.
0: That's why we need this understanding. And, you know, as much as women, you know, say, I just want to talk about it quite often when women want to talk about it, they have an agenda and the agenda is I want to talk about it. So you will change. And if your agenda in sharing your feelings is for a man to change, he will, he will defend. If your agenda and sharing your feelings is to receive his help so that you will feel better by venting your feelings that you will feel better by sorting out your feelings through sharing with another person. Then you're not trying to change him, but you're using him. You see, we men we don't mind being used as long as we get a smile. So you're using him in order to come back to a place of greater happiness and peace. And there's a knowing that he will have greater insight and understanding into my sensitivities, and probably in the future he will make adjustments. But it's not like, so what are you gonna do about it? You see, that's the whole key here. So in the beginning, you start learning how to communicate in this vulnerable way about problems that have nothing to do with him. That way, he doesn't take them personally. The advanced stage is you can say everything has to do with him and he'll just duck and dodge and no problem because he knows that whenever you're blaming him, it's not you're, you're not saying I don't love you. You're not demanding him to change in order to be loved. You just feel that way and those feelings will shift if you can talk freely about it. But it's harder. For women to let go of that, I need him to change to feel happy to get what I need and so forth. I need him to change or I don't need him to change. I give up on this relationship. Either one doesn't work. Is If you're sharing feelings with the intent to change someone, then you're making testosterone and you're not making estrogen. I'll say that again. If you're sharing your feelings, hoping to change him, your hormones go further out of balance and you can't let go of it and come back to an open heart. See, when women come to me for therapy, they're not trying to change me. They can talk about their feeling, feelings. They're, it's not me they want to change, it's their husbands. And often I just ask them their emotions. And if she just tells me everything that's wrong, I can't relate to that really, because I'm not a woman. I don't have that experience. I can relate a little bit. But if she, if I help her go to her emotions, to her feelings on an emotional level, I can feel the pain. I can feel it because I have it inside of me as well then there's a real connection. So this is how the gulf between men and women can be crossed is as women learn how to be vulnerable and open to their sensitive emotions and some of these feelings that are very tender, that is the opportunity for a man to be strong and be there for her. He just needs to learn how to do it. She needs to learn how to be vulnerable. This is all new skills. And I just don't wanna make sure we leave out sex because everybody says that they're too tired to have sex, they're too busy to have sex, but they'll sit and watch a TV show. They just don't have the energy for sex. And part of that is they don't have good sexual skills. So that's another area where we need to understand sexual skills. And I wrote a whole book on that. That's a whole topic in itself called Mars, Venus in the Bedroom. But it's not just he's not a good lover. If she doesn't know how to guide him and direct him and communicate her wishes and needs in sex, he is not willing to do it often or forgets to do it because he doesn't have an understanding of how men and women are so completely different and how she can come back into balance through the oxytocin, which happens by naked bodies touching each other. And, you know, we talk about oxytocin for years now, how it lowers stress in women and so forth and opens our heart more. But biologically, what happens when your body, through physical contact and feeling safe, that you can depend on someone. It's feeling safe and we're coming back to estrogen. Oxytocin lowers testosterone. There's actually research showing oxytocin, a physical affection and touch, lowers testosterone. It softens you so that your estrogen levels can rise. So we come back once again to oxytocin is most important for women in those days before her ovulation to get that estrogen up. Not so important, after. Because quite often what we want is not as much estrogen. We want more progesterone. And progesterone is experienced and promoted through social bonding. Not where you're depending on someone, but you're connecting with others in a like way. You could be watching TV together. You play games together. You can hang out with other women together. That's a big progesterone stimulator, yoga classes, and so forth. You know, you get a little bit of progesterone and estrogen in yoga class. So these are the things when a woman does the things she enjoys doing. That she likes to do where there's no rushing, she's gonna be making the right hormones for her at that time. But women get thrown off in their mind because their mind remembers how great that sex was, that intimacy was, that vulnerability that they felt in the beginning of the relationship before they shut down. And they expect him to give that to her, and he can't give that to her. That's something she has to create. We're all responsible for our happiness. You know, I'll talk to an audience and Are we all adults here? We're all responsible for our happiness. Everybody will raise their hand. And then right in the counseling room, he makes me unhappy. We have to keep, and, and someone can make you unhappy for sure. It's like you could punch me. I bruise. Now it's up to me to heal and come back to normal. They can't fix me. So we have to keep coming back to personal responsibility. We have to come back to authenticity. And it's very hard to do unless we have a more sophisticated understanding of how we keep bumping into our partners because we don't understand the differences between men and women in a positive way. And now we have the amazing biological foundation to really clarify this. So one little tip before we go, I just wanna make sure women understand this and men are understanding is that if you're angry men, if I could look at the number one thing men need to understand, if you're angry, do not talk. If you're angry already, your estrogen levels are too high, your testosterone's going down, You're in fight or flight. And if you talk, it will only get worse. And so what you need to do is you have to discipline yourself to stop talking. Now, Buddha taught this. That's the whole point of meditation was to forget your problems, to quiet the mind and not talk. (laughs) This was the foundation of all existence is teaching men how to meditate, how to be quiet, how to not talk. And of course, now we have psychology telling men you got to talk, telling women you got to get men to talk. It's disastrous. Now, when a heart is open, there's nothing more wonderful than talking and sharing and also making love. That's the huge thing we want to do when a heart is open. But to get, get the heart open, if men are upset, they need to stop talking. If you're angry and you talk, you become even more feminized. You become weaker. You become uh, irrational. You become destructive to others and yourself. You lose love. And the problem in relationships today is men have so much permission to express their anger. And because women need to express their feelings, they encourage it in men, and it shuts women down. It's a two-sided thing. We have a big misunderstanding of this, and hormones help us to step out of this confusion and realize the value of when your heart is closed, that's when a man's estrogen is too high, his sensitivities are too high, his testosterone is too low, he's in fight or flight. He needs to not talk. He needs to pull away. He needs to forget it, disengage. And he has to find a graceful way to do that. Now women have to understand that when he says, I need time or I need to take think about this, I'm gonna go, I'll be back, whatever. Nice phrases to use, I talk about a lot in my book. She needs to not pursue. And I teach these men only seminars, and men say, I try saying that, John, but she follows me. And I say, Well, have you tried saying you have to go to the bathroom? And one guy says, she follows me into the bathroom. She keeps asking me questions. And so it's that it's that need to connect. And women feel that because that's what's going to create the estrogen is that need to connect. But it's at those times when a man is out of balance, she's out of balance. She's trying to enter him rather than opening a door for him to enter her. So she has to find connection elsewhere, not with resentment but the recognition that we both are out of balance, it's our job to find balance and then from place of balance to come back and give more love, not take, give more love, and then you will get more love.
1: I love all these tips and these hints. I know that it's it's more exploring, you know, and that's why I'm so grateful to you for continuing to write and put put a lot of this on paper because I believe that we really got to keep, you know, not only is this a practice, but really an understanding. I think a lot of us are kind of stuck in some of these cycles, right, where we don't understand and so we're trying to get something from the other person and we're not getting what we want, right? And so I'm so grateful that you are putting this on paper so we can go and explore because I feel like in this in this conversation, you know, I, I have, I know we're, we're closing up, but I definitely have, you know, there's always more qualifying questions to ask or more clarity clarifying questions to ask. And so where can we find you? Where can we learn more about you, John, besides besides heading to Northern California, maybe for a retreat?
0: I do teach classes here. Uh, I also travel around the world doing it, so I'm, I'm not here that often. But at my website, MarsVenus.com, I have a lot of different free videos for people to watch, free seminars. This is so outlined in the book, Beyond Mars and Venus, this whole hormonal thing. I think it should be basic education for everybody. It's so, it's so scientific and at the same time, it makes sense, it makes sense. It describes why every problem comes up in relationships. And when you have that understanding, then you can make shifts.
1: Well, John, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your brilliance. We gotta go grab the book, go to marsvenus.com. I'm so happy that you have a lot of videos
0: Thank you so much. Come to your blogs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye. After decades of research, Dr. John Gray has devoted his life to this incredible topic of understanding relationships between men and women. And it's exciting to see that he's exploring the connection of our hormones and our relationships. Clearly hormones are chemical messengers and they have a powerful impact on how we think and operate. Now, Dr. John Gray's new book opens the door for more conversations around this area and potentially provides an understanding behind how we communicate with one another. Now, if you want to dive deeper into his information and resources about relationships, you can definitely check out Dr. John Gray's books, or I recommend also heading over to his website, marsvenus.com, for resources and more support on this ever growing topic of understanding one another. Now, the link is going to be in my show notes for episode 94, or you can just head on over to the website, drmarisa.com slash podcast. And again, thank you so much for listening and stopping by today on the Essentially You podcast. In the next episode, I am bringing on Dr. William Lee. And we are talking about how eating can prevent treat and reverse disease because it's the future of medicine i don't know about you but i've always believed that food is medicine this has been a focus of study for me for over 10 years and i'm excited to bring a newly new york times best-selling author to share his research and ins- insights on this really powerful discussion so i hope you guys join us for this wonderful conversation until then have an amazing day